and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be speaking with Lorna Bornstein, who is the founder and CEO of Grokker. Lorna, how are you this Lorna, morning? how are you this morning? I am well. Happy to be on the show with you, John. And tell me a little bit about who you are. I'm just a you know, daughter of immigrants from Montreal who made her way to Silicon Valley during, uh, during the boom um, and um, have three kids and by some miracle the same husband. <laughs> and I'm uh, living sort of the third act of my career doing uh, something I'm very passionate about as opposed to just uh, figuring out how to pay the mortgage. That's interesting. So what are you doing? Uh, so I, uh, I have this company called Grokker, which is an on-demand well-being. We like to call it the on-demand well-being solution employees love. But simply put, you think of us as Netflix for well-being. Um, and so we combine beautiful expert-led video um, covering everything from exercise and mental health and sleep, nutrition, financial well-being, you name it with a very supportive community and personalization to make it fun and just a little bit easier to achieve healthier habits. And so how'd you, how'd you end up doing this? This, this does not sound like the dreams of a, of a young girl in a sandbox somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, I like to say that all of my career moves have been because I'm not afraid to disappoint my mother. Um, <laughs> hmm. um, my, <laughs> my ma- my mother, uh, you know, an immigrant who you know made it to the new world and became a lawyer and a judge and really likes the safe route. And so every time I make a career move into the new, into something new and different, it's like no, we have to explain it to my mother. Um, but this latest uh, adventure, which actually began seven years ago, was because I was personally struggling with how can I fit well-being into my life like I don't have time to go to the gym the yoga student like it was it was really I felt like nobody was helping me John and everyone had these unrealistic expectations of what I needed to do and I thought geez if we can just help people who have no time like me who's busier than ever um, I think we can do something great and the reason why I chose to do it in this way is because I could see with the proliferation of smartphones, um, tablets, connected TV, that video was going to be consumed more than ever and that people were loving video. And so I had to figure out how can I make this on demand, very video, very uh, you know, accessible to you uh, in a way that uh, was not going to feel like a chore but feel like something fun and easy. So let's, let's get uh, a little bit basic. What mean by well-being? What is that? So that's such a good question because it's going to mean something a little different to me than it is to you. So if you think about overall well-being, it's what are the different dimensions of your physical and emotional life that lead to you feeling well? So there is, um, you know, emotional well-being. There's physical well-being. There's social connectedness. Um, there's, you know, I talk a lot about, I think people today more than ever are, are, you know, it's not just employees. Everyone is demanding three things of life, a sense of purpose, 
a sense of belonging and a sense of balance. And if you can have those three elusive things all at once, then I think you've got total well-being. Um, so that's sort of how I, I like to um, to talk about it. Okay, and then and then the idea is that somehow watching a video can produce that. Well, it's not like one isolated video is going to uh, magically change your life. It's that because we're busier now than ever, we don't have the time to like, you know, I don't know about you, but you can, you know, you see how fitness has moved out of the gym, right? So instead of expecting you to go do something like that, what if we can just put, you know, in your pocket the power of, a wonderful expert, you know, personal trainer on demand who can help you with a 15-minute stretch video that you can do when you, you know, have the time or uh, a meditation practice that you can do while you're waiting in carpool. So it's, it's really the video are ways, little incremental ways, small steps that help you find this time for well-being, but when you stick them all together and you're able to fit them into your lifestyle, it actually makes you materially feel different. Um, but it's, it's small steps at a time. Small steps at a time. So, so I take it that means that you have a bigger picture of where we're going, right? You take small steps in any given direction and you can get nowhere. So there's some sort of trajectory. Um how do you how do you plot that out? How do you help somebody plot out longer trajectory? So I think the first thing that you need to do is don't think that everybody's the same. That's just a fatal flaw. So you really sort of have to understand who you're dealing with. If I'm talking to uh, someone who does not work out at all, is pre-diabetic, is suffering from lack of proper sleep hygiene, and, uh, you know, is a um, 35-year-old, you know, mother of two, well, I need to understand what she's struggling with right now and then give her a very personalized plan that is going to meet how much time she has, when she can do it, what she has access to. And so the first piece in the, you know, what are the steps is number one, understand what are they struggling with and how much time do they have to, um, you know, to devote to doing things that might make them feel better. Then the second thing you do once you understand where they're at is you have to be able to provide quite a, a compelling entertaining, easy experience. And so the videos can't feel like I'm not going to give that woman that we're talking about some type of mega celebrity personal trainer to follow. I mean, it'll kill her. Turn her off. Someone approachable, someone who's unintimidating and take this thinking out of it for her, structure it for her, schedule it for her, send her reminders, provide her encouragement. And then the videos will progress they start off really easy, very simple. It's like any, you know, the, the basics of habit formation, right? You have to have small wins from the beginning, and then you have to repeat them at the right intervals to reinforce that eventually it becomes a habit. So we, we think of the small steps, John, as um, what do you need? Who are you? What do you need? We have a massive amount of video because we have a patent on how we film video that lets us have all of this. 
Um, and we've had, you know, starting off as a consumer company first, we've had so many years of trial and error with consumers to understand what works and what doesn't. Um, and so we've honed the skill a little bit more, um, more again, like a Netflix than like an enterprise software company. That's interesting. So, so as I understand what you just said, you're able to develop personalized wellness development plans and curricula um, for people inside of some sort of enterprise setting. Um, how often does it work? Does everybody who touches it well, or, or is it uh, more statistical than that? <laughs> I wish it was magic and everyone who used it was, uh, was you know, immediately made well. Um, we get, you know, roughly, you know, if you want to talk real numbers, if you're talking about a large employer, in the first year you can expect about 50% of your employees to become engaged with Grokker and somewhere in the 35% range to be engaged on a quarterly basis. And what's interesting about that, John, if we take your question one layer deeper, when you think about, again, people are not all the same, the same person isn't even the same sitting here on April 5th as they're going to be on September 5th. They're shifting. There are different stressors. There are different um, movements happening in their personal lives and in their work lives. And so you really need to think about this journey with the employee where naturally they're going to be more prone to uh, listen and be open to receiving help depending on what the, what's happening for them at work and at home. And so you better have different things to try to catch them with all the time. So again, not the same stuff every single month, different messaging, different opportunities, whether it's, um, you know, a new uh, program that you're launching that they might be interested in. You know, we recently, for example, um, had launched a sugar reset which was well-timed in the first quarter when we're all thinking about nutrition. That's a good time to try to catch someone with that it would not be a good time um, in the holiday season to try to hit someone with a sugar reset. They're not like, who's going to try to do that? I want all of the eggnog I can get my hands on. Um, but that might be a good time of the year to try to help people with some coping mechanisms of getting through the holidays. So um, when we talk about, you know, the success, it's not just, oh, we've got great stuff, come anytime. It's what do you, what's happening with you right now? And we'll check in with you. We'll have you the opportunity, right, to take our wellness quiz throughout the year that then measures along four vectors of well-being. How are you doing right now? And, oh, my gosh, we see that right now you're struggling with sleep. Why don't we give you some sleep hygiene videos some sleep stories um, and some easy ways uh, to lessen your issues around that? Um, so I think it, it ebbs and flows, but always you have to be releasing new content all the time. You have to have exciting new opportunities, and you have to make it easy for people to participate. So, so I'm going to ask you a, a kind of a hypothetical. So for me, about 90 days ago, I quit eating gluten and dairy. And mm-hmm. as a result of quitting eating, eating gluten and dairy, I, I feel better. And and feeling better means to think that it was normal to hurt when I was done with a meal. Um, and and I didn't even think about it being something unusual. It wasn't something I wanted to fix. It just was. And And so when I think about wellness, I think that there must be a ton of things that I think are just normal 
uh, and that I'm not struggling with that are the inhibitors of my wellness. How do you address that sort of thing where, where you may know that something is unhealthy or, or is a path to feeling better and it's completely opaque to me, the user of your system? How do you communicate that to me? It's such it's such a beautiful question. And by the way, I also took out gluten and dairy from my diet because I, um, long story about why, but a friend of mine had said, hey, you do this and you'll feel better. Um, and it was life-changing. So I, I think um, part of what you're implicitly uh, explaining is that you need other people to bring ideas to you that you're not necessarily going to identify as a problem on your own. And so influencers in your life, whether it's at work or at home, people who are more of the um, connectors that are, uh, you know, trusted, but who will come and suggest something to you that you wouldn't otherwise connect is what's needed. And to a certain extent, I think that the, uh, the employer has a really interesting role that they can play in helping to bring together existing colleagues, peers, to help with a type of community. And I'm not talking about a Facebook community, not like I'm trying to impress you. This is what we're seeing in a lot of our work where you have these ambassadors, these people that you work with who they are the ones who first tried to take out gluten and dairy and, and they'll say, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Or they're the ones who do the whole 30 every January and encourage everyone to do it with them. So I think you, A, you need to have uh, connections and ability for people to talk openly about these things. Um, so number one, do you have an environment where it's okay to talk about these things. It's okay to be real. Um, do your employees have permission to even think and talk about this? Uh, if your executives are all, um, you know, eat lunch at their desks and never move and you know, really care about whether you're there at 6 p.m. or whatever, it, it's hard to create that culture. But if you are like I was, you know, my first corporate job was at Hewlett Packard. And my boss, the first day of work, came to my cube and said at lunchtime, hey, you come into the gym. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't even think to bring gym clothes. Um, that's giving me permission. And so, you know, one, do you have an environment that gives employees permission and that can create those sets of community? And then specifically for how you share the uh, opportunities to make yourself feel better, you've got to have a, a calendar for the year, different topics that might appeal to different people. We, um, you know, Grokker has, we have a 12-month calendar. Every month is a different theme, and we provide, you know, webinar materials and rich HTML emails and new videos get released, but it's just a way of disseminating information. We work with ambassadors at the companies. How do you create something exciting and new around ideas that you might not have heard of before and make it approachable? I don't know for you, John, when you decided to try this, if it felt daunting or if you thought, oh, I'm just going to give it a little try. I'm just going to try it for maybe, you know, a month. Um, it's so much easier when you don't feel like you're making a life commitment. You're just trying something small to see how you feel a week, two weeks, and then can lead to something else. So um, I think that, uh, you know, you have to feel permission. 
you have to have exciting, entertaining ways um, of, of uh, exploring, um, and hopefully have a community that is going to support you and give you the ideas, because I wouldn't have figured out to cut out the gluten and the dairy myself. Right. So so what makes Grokker different from other wellness apps? I think the number one, I think honestly the first thing that makes us different is we did start out as a direct-to-consumer company, right? So we've been perfecting the art of engaging consumers, you know, a la Netflix or Amazon, you know, not approaching it like an enterprise HR software company. I think that's, you know, the first thing that's different. And the second thing that's different is, let's face it, employees are struggling, right? They're struggling with obesity and high blood pressure and pain and depression and lack of sleep and all of these things preventing them from, you know, bringing 100% to work. And while the first generation of these wellness programs pushed for the measurement of BMI or the measurement of blood pressure and threw a bunch of paid incentives at you just to take that test, you know, that stat that benefits professionals clung to like a coat of armor to protect them from the pot shots about not having a, an ROI they could prove, um, that, you know, we're very different. We don't take that approach, actually. The approach that, um, that we take is that, you know, you are, um, you're an individual. You are not a stat, and that we know that a stat isn't going to make you well. So our perspective is that these lifestyle risks are what matter, because if you're struggling with depression, that's going to, you know, affect you at home. It's going to affect you at work. So let's focus on addressing that. We also believe that because everyone's different, you need to be engaged and supported in ways that fit you. So as a result, we believe that to help people, you have to incorporate very modern consumer technologies like video, like 24-7 on-demand access, personalization, assessment, um, creating small incremental steps with encouragement and community in order to help you. So we don't assume, we're not arrogant, we don't assume that we know what you need. There is no one-size-fits-all. So first we assess, then we personalize a program that provides these small steps that can hopefully make it easier for you to create the change in your life that you want. Um, and I think the last thing that's different about us is we've got such a wide range of well-being programs because of our history. And that means that, you know, you can learn about reducing sugar in your cooking one day and how to get a better night's sleep the next. So there's more opportunities to get you engaged and keep you engaged because it's not some boring, you know, oh, we're all walking to Rome again in a step challenge. So a lot of the things that, that are the targets of wellness programs are taboo subjects. So the fact that I suffer from depression or any of that suffer from diabetes that's not generally, and, and you can tell me that this is a generational thing. That's generally not something I'm all that interested in sharing with my employer. And so that, that brings me to the question of how you handle privacy and the experience of privacy in a tool that's provided by an employer. And how do you stop it from feeling intrusive areas that I don't really want people to know about? So this is critical to success. You have to make sure 
that from the minute the employee comes into, you know, your in, environment, whether they're whether it's Grokker or anything else that we're helping employers with, the employee has to understand that their information is private. Like we, because we support global employers, we are completely GDPR compliant. So we can also point to that, right, to explain uh, that their privacy is being protected. But moreover, for employees to understand and be open with them about what is and isn't shared with the employer. So um, we have actually been very fortunate because um, we, again, I think coming from the consumer realm, it's very clear from the minute that you come onto Crocker that there are ways to keep your stuff to yourself and there are things if you want to share you can but there's no requirement for you to share anything so i think the transparency and how you talk about it but also what's really interesting john and it is somewhat generational people want to be more real at work and at home we actually find that employees um, really want to connect over whether it's um, that they're suffering from anxiety or suffering from um, depression or really struggling with weight. People want to reach out to one another, especially colleagues in a work environment, for a, that feeling of I'm not so alone. So I think the balance of making clear what's shared and what isn't, and then two, how can you give people great opportunities to feel that they're not alone and have, um, you know, very uh, sort of respected experts who help them is one thing, but having an opportunity for other people um, to lead by example. Often we see executives lead by example, and they'll join the, a mindfulness. If we have a mindfulness program that a company is launching, the executives will say, I really need this in my life right now. I'm stressed. And what's wonderful is, again, gives the employees permission to talk about it. Um, and again, you don't have to, like, no one's going to make you, force you to tell everyone anything. I want to keep this private, I'm going to keep it private. I want to talk about it, I can participate and talk about it. But just the act of watching videos, um, that's not visible to other people in the grocosphere. So you're not at risk unless you choose to share that information. That's that's interesting. So so I think I have a different view of how people see internet-based tools. I mean, spend years of being lied to about what's private and what's not private that most people have experience of, right? Um, so and, true. It's so sad and so true. Right. And so the question is, is what makes you so different that people are going to believe that interactions with you are private? I can only tell you what uh, what our experience is, and so I can, um, you know, it's a good question. We should probably survey um, our consumers and our enterprise clients' users and ask them why they trust so much. But I really think the reason is um, the experience in Grokker in particular, it's very personal. Um, it doesn't feel, you know, there's none of this chest thumping kind of Facebook like showing off to other people. It's much more everyone's here because we're trying to find a little bit of, um, of, of happiness, really, ultimately health and happiness. And I think our experts who moderate our community, we have over 130 global experts that are active in the Grokker community, they really help with the self-policing. They set a tone which is not at all 
uh, cheeky or clever in a in a way that might be off-putting. It's very inclusive, um, and uh, it's very unintimidating. And so I think with the expert setting the tone, and our uh, the way that we onboard you, and you can see what is and isn't public. It's very, um, you know, and it's very clear in our terms and conditions that we will never share or sell your data, which is not something that social media uh, companies can claim. I think that we've been able to um, assuage or prevent those fears from arising, and we've never breached it. We haven't created any um, mistrust in the community. But I'm going to ask that question in our next survey because I think it's a combination of these experts who's in our community and how we talk to you in a way that it's quite personal and quite real. I think it would be a longer conversation, but I imagine in the data that you report to your paying client, um, there are some things that, that some users might find suspicious. You know, for I don't instance, think so. Well, no, but it's all aggregated, John, right? It's a much longer conversation. It's a much, much okay. Well, let's have a long conversation. If I'm missing, <laughs> if I'm missing something, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 yeah, yeah. So the so Facebook data is aggregated too, um, and and disaggregation of data is part of what hacking looks like. So so um, there's 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 lots of ground to cover there. But but how do you tell if somebody is a good customer? for you versus a an account that you want to walk away from as soon as you can oh. walk away from it. Oh, I've got the scars to show you how I learned this lesson. Number one, if a, um, if a client does not talk about their employees in a way that demonstrates that they genuinely care about them, like if this is no more than a box checking exercise, they're not a good client for us. Um, they, they actually are um, really, it, 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 the chances are there's not a great culture and it's not going to be a, a successful relationship. The second thing that would make a client um, not good for us is if what they're looking for is a, an extremely um, clinical, uh, you know, a very clinical approach to taking care of their people, that's not us. But we, we are really about preventative and lifestyle. So if you want something super clinical, you know, you specifically want to address your smokers in your population and get them to quit smoking within three months to lower your insurance costs, that's not us. And you're not a good client for us. Um, and I think conversely, what makes you good for us, if you have global offices or remote offices, so you've got a diverse and dispersed employee population, that's a good audience for Grokker because we sort of level that playing field and uh, make it available everywhere. And then the other thing that uh, would make you maybe not um, a great client for us is if uh, what you're looking if you take a punitive approach towards your teams, like there are some companies that take the approach, they apply disincentives. We don't believe that that works. And so we're not a good match for you if you apply uh, punishment or disincentives. Um, that's probably not going to be a good fit. Got it. So we have whipped 
to our time together. What do you want to be sure a listener takes away? Uh, I guess, one, there is hope. There's never been a better time to be a benefits professional. There is increased focus on the importance of benefits in, you know, everywhere in employer branding. Your benefits budgets are growing. Employees are actually making career choices now based on the quality and range of the benefits you provide. So I think there's so much hope, and you should be working with people who can make you feel like a hero is one thing. And then the second thing is this doesn't have to be expensive or difficult, right? We get our clients up and running in 30 days or less. And it's really inexpensive. You know, you don't have to spend millions of dollars. So I think understand that as an employer, you know, you have all of these new options. It's an exciting time to shift thinking from I am going to uh, focus on getting a measurement and think rather how can I create an economy of well-being and a movement towards culture of well-being at my company. I think you've got the tools now that we're never there before to help you with it and the tides in your favor with employee sentiment. Fantastic. Well, it's been great speaking with you. Would you take a moment and introduce yourself, tell people how they might get a hold of you? Of course. Well, you can send me an email just to LB, that's Lorna Bornstein, so LB at grocker.com. And also, just for your listeners, John, I wanted to give them the opportunity to experience a free taste of Grocker firsthand. So we created an exclusive URL that they can visit to get access to free videos and check it out. And that URL is go.grocker, G-R-O-K-K-E-R.com slash HR Examiner. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's been great talking with you today, Lorna. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. We've been speaking with Lorna Borenstein, who is the founder and CEO of Grokker. And you can get a free trial of Grokker at go.grokker.com slash HR Examiner. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks again, Lorna. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye now.